Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get you nothing. And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously. Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? I think, yeah, because that's the good thing about your podcast is you always figure out like what's specific and unique about the person mm-hmm. and then you just kind of focus on the which is like mm-hmm. great i think that's so great because <laughs> like a lot of the time you could like listen to podcasts where it's like a lot of just wandering and it's like oh that's interesting but it's like you uh-huh. know oops sorry did i leave that in anyway thanks jimmy that's today's guest jimmy flynn welcome to the voices of santa clara podcast i'm your host gavin cosgrave currently standing about 200 feet away from the Santa Clara campus in the house I'm staying in over the summer. Today's guest, Jimmy Flynn, is a natural on the radio. He produced his own radio station on KSCU, the Santa Clara student radio station, as well as he served as the editor-in-chief of the Santa Clara student newspaper and played a big role in helping to get transcripts from this podcast into the newspaper this past year. Jimmy was a part of the graduating class of 2018, so now he has his degree in English, and we're going to get into lots of interesting stuff in this interview, including his recent movie, which is called Ego Death, a mockumentary inside a mockumentary, made with his friend and budding musician Riley McShane, which is a comedic take on their experiences running music and art events during their time at Santa Clara. We talk about how he got into stand-up comedy, which just sounds like my worst nightmare, um, and what he learned from being the editor-in-chief at the student newspaper, even though journalism isn't something he's really interested in. And we talk about the parallels between writing jokes and journalism. All right, I think that's all you need to know, so let's roll the interview. All right. Well, I'm excited to be here today with Jimmy Flynn, the editor-in-chief of the Santa Clara. The, the outgoing. The outgoing yeah, editor-in-chief. <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to start out by asking some about your your movie that you recently made. I know Ooh. you're into stand-up comedy. What was kind of the inspiration for that? Why would anyone take the time to just create a 45-minute movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned I'm... Yeah, I was the uh, editor in chief. I, uh, you know, I never really saw myself as a journalist. I always, you know, uh, liked comedy and, and filmmaking above everything else. And uh, my latest movie is called Ego Death, a mockumentary inside a mockumentary, and uh, it's sort of based on the lives of uh, myself and my friend Riley McShane, who's a musician. And uh, together here at Santa Clara, um, you know, we put on uh, let's see seven live shows that we called Show Broncos and. There were these comedy and music shows, kind of like SNL, but later turned into just sort of straight uh, music and comedy. Um, And, you know, we did a few on campus, a few off campus. And it was really just us trying to, like, bring some arts and culture and sort of live performance to Santa Clara because, you know, early on in our college careers, we saw that was sort of lacking. Um, And around sort of the midpoint of this past year, um, we sort of had the idea to kind of do a mockumentary based on our experiences creating the show and stuff. But I, I thought, you know, if we did it too realistically, it'd be a little self-indulgent. So I, I really wanted to, like, exaggerate uh, certain character aspects. So, you know, my character in the film is, like, 
uh, you know, really self-destructive and has a bad drug problem. And, you know, Riley's character is, is incredibly lazy and kind of, you know, dickish. And, you know, that's, that's not, you know, what I think we're like, but, um, for purposes of comedy and conflict and drama, we sort of accentuate those. Um, but yeah, I, I really just, uh, you know, I, I want a career someday in the filmmaking industry. And I thought the best way to go about that, uh, is to just start making movies. Um, I've never really been one to sort of wait for the go ahead. I just kind of like to do it and uh, at least artistically. And um, so, yeah, it, it was, and you know, it was a super low budget operation. I mean, we made it on an iPhone six. That's how we shot it. And I edited it with iMovie. So um, another thing I kind of wanted to show is just that like, you don't need a ton of like big money resources to like create art and create movies. Like you can do it yourself. Um, and kind of the cool thing about basing it on our lives is we had all this sort of archive footage from our past shows we had done. So, um, you know, even though we're playing ourselves and it's exaggerated, um, there's still this very personal element to it because we're using footage from our own lives. Um, you know, there's a particular scene in the movie where I'm performing at an open mic and uh, one of my jokes like completely bombs. <laughs> and uh, that was an incident that happened over the summer. And I remember when I was watching the tape, you know, it's really depressing. I'm like performing at a coffee shop. It's 11 o'clock. There's like five people in there. And, you know, it's... it's um. It's a weird sort of experience that, you know, for people who have never gone to open mics or have never really done stand-up, it's, it's not like something you're used to. So to sort of feel that level of discomfort, I thought was really interesting. And, you know, in my failure, I thought, how can I make something out of this? How can I have this failure um, sort of, how can I repurpose it into something successful? And uh, yeah, that was sort of just, it was a very pragmatic process making the movie. We, um, you know, took this footage from our lives and, uh, you know, we just shot um, very economically, we'd only do like one or two takes per scene, very, you know, highly improvised that an outline for the script, but a lot of it was pretty loose. And, uh, you know, we held it together with duct tape and uh, <laughs> it ended up uh, as a 41 minute movie. And the reception so far has been really great. Um, yeah. It's it's really been great. So that's that's been fantastic. Yeah, Nice. I, I checked it out and I enjoyed it. Oh, great. Well, so, Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, when did you first get into stand up comedy? And because that that seems like most people's worst nightmare, right? Like right. standing in, up in front of a group of people and trying to tell jokes. Right. Like what part of that <laughs> appeals to you? Um, I've always been a very performative person. Um, you know, less polite way of putting it would be, I love attention. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've always just really liked comedy and I've liked performance. Um, you know, and my two strengths, I think, as a person are writing and performing. And that's sort of two skills that that point toward a career in stand-up comedy um and i got into it uh about two and a half years ago yeah it would have been february 2016 and um it actually uh happened through the newspaper i was a staff writer at the time and i interviewed this guy dean garcia who was doing stand-up on campus and he's kind of the only person who was and he was doing these classroom shows uh, in the Kennedy Commons, which they've torn down since. <laughs> That's just how bad the comedy we were doing was, you know. <laughs> they were just like, we got to tear this down. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, so he, um, I interviewed him and he said he was doing these classroom shows. And I mentioned I'd always been interested in stand-up. And he said, you know, if you ever want to do five minutes open for me, that'd be great. So like two weeks later, uh, he does another classroom show and I do five minutes and they go pretty well. And, um, you know, then we do another show. And that was when I met uh, Riley McShane. He was a musician. And then there were three other comedians. Um, and I just felt really good about it. And uh, it felt right. I got a good reception. You know, some jokes bombed as they're going to do when you try something new for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, it, it was really great. It allowed Riley and I a chance to kind of uh, see each other creatively, and that sort of helped foster our collaborative relationship moving forward. Um, but yeah, stand up was something that if I hadn't gotten into it, then I would have definitely gotten into it by now. It's just something I'd always wanted to do. Um, you know, a lot of my role models, people I looked up to are comedians um, and uh, just sort of were people I could identify with growing up and, uh, you know, just how they're able to take uh, sad situations and show them in a different light, a more humorous light, you know, how they're able to do social commentary in a way that's funny. Um, I, I just think that's like a really noble thing. And, and, you know, if you look at it from like a... <laughs> you know, almost a Jesuit perspective, what they're doing is serving others in a way. I mean, you're, you're providing entertainment, you're providing laughter to all these people. And that's really, um, not to pat myself and other comedians on the back. I think that's a really noble thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you could say, you know, especially during this day and age, you know, mm -hmm. and everyone's very divisive and stuff, it's more important than ever. Um, but I, I personally, I think comedy's timeless and we'll always need comedy. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's why I've always loved it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think you'll continue with it? I think so. Yeah. My goal um, is to continue pursuing comedy, um, especially this summer. Um, I'll have some more free time. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to try and go up, uh, you know, three, four, five times a week. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's interesting. When I don't perform as much, I write a lot more. Um, but I don't know if the jokes are any good because I can't perform them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I have all this material I've written over the last uh, few months because I've, I've only been able to perform like once a month here and there. And uh, I'm excited to kind of test it out. And I mean, that's really the only way to do it. You can't really um, just like tell friends the jokes. You really have to like test them out in front of an audience. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to keep pursuing comedy as long as I can, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then you mentioned you don't see yourself at all as a journalist. And how'd you end up as the <laughs> editor of the newspaper? Of the newspaper? That's a good question. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> I was first hired by my brother, who's two years older. He was the scene editor of the newspaper, and they needed writers, and he suggested me. Um, so one could say I got in through nepotism. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I've always been a writer and, um, you know, I'm an English major, and I've always written a lot. So um, I would say it was pretty clear early on that I was not cut out to be a journalist. I just, in the traditional sense, at least I just, you know, I, I never, uh, was good at interviewing people. It was hard for me to not editorialize and, and look at things objectively. So, um, at, you know, the more and more I wrote, um, the more kind of creative freedom and leeway they gave me. And I took advantage of it. And, uh, instead of doing sort of straight journalism and news stories, I pivoted to, you know, stuff that utilized my own creative voice, you know, so I was doing restaurant reviews, movie reviews, um, kind of wacky, bizarre uh, event stories. Like I, you know, saw WWE live, I saw the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, and, and it was cool. It was a cool outlet for me um, to sort of express myself creatively, because, you know, I'm, I'm a creative writing minor. So that's, that's sort of my background. I'm, I, I never took any journalism classes. I was, you know, doing these creative stories and stuff. And, you know, the more I did it, the more I sort of fell in love with the newspaper and sort of, uh, you know, the camaraderie of the staff on production nights and just how smart everyone was, how well read they were. And, uh, you know, I told my predecessor that, you know, I was interested in running the paper and uh, she hired me as her number two the following year, the managing editor. And then uh, this past year, I was lucky enough to be editor in chief. And um, it, it was great. I mean, I was really you know, because I loved the newspaper, I wanted to be the one making decisions. I, I trusted myself with that pressure. And, you know, I, I enjoyed the power and the creative freedom. But at the same time, it was uh, an incredibly stressful job. Um, I, I don't want to 
shortchange it. I mean, it, it was very, very difficult a lot of the time. Um, not only, um, you know, failures with technology because we have kind of ancient programming uh, in regards to how we put together our papers, but um, also in regards to just managing a staff of 30 mm-hmm. people. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a social guy. I like people and I, I think I'm decently affable, but uh, there were times when it just got really stressful. You know, employees would quit, employees would have disputes. And, uh, you know, that's that's not something that's ever fun to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that's life. You know, people have mm-hmm. bad days and uh, the next one tends to be better. So, um, yeah, I, I guess the short answer of how I came <laughs> to run the paper as someone who isn't a journalist uh, as I just uh, expressed interest <laughs> and uh, I, I just sort of fell ass backwards into it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel yeah. like you've learned a lot from the experience or what specifically? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred um, percent. It's definitely made my writing better because um, journalism is so different than any other kind of writing. It's so punchy and it's so to the point um, because if it's not, nobody's going to read it. Um, you know, you really got to know how to be brief and concise and an and entertaining writer. Um, so in that sense, it, it made me a better writer. It made me faster. Um, it, it made me more creative. Um, and I think it helped other types of writing I was doing as well. So, you know, if, if I talk about like joke writing, how news, you know, journalism affected that. Um, it definitely like made my jokes a little punchier. It definitely made them, uh, you know, I would sort of uh, incorporate the idea of a lead, you know, in journalism, a lead is sort of the, the paragraph that hooks the reader in. So, you know, with a joke, you can like say something immediately that hooks them in and then sort of allow yourself to expand an, upon an idea before you hit the punchline. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think overall journalism definitely helped my writing and uh, just like managing and, being editor-in-chief like taught me how to better relate to people better understand them better empathize and it really taught me to listen um that's the biggest thing is is when you're in charge you really have to listen to your employees and you have to trust them and trust that you know you can delegate work to them and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so yeah and then you've also been involved with the student radio station right kkscu so how do you fill up your time there what what what, what types of (laughs) shows have you yeah. done i guess what am i getting up to um <laughs> yeah i started radio uh my first year um towards the end of my first year kind of around the same time i started the newspaper and uh i didn't want to go and play music everyone who had a radio show pretty much played music and that's not really what i was interested in i wanted to do talk radio basically i was a huge huge Howard Stern fan. And I was a huge fan of uh, Mark Marin and the WTF podcast. So I really liked uh, not only more kind of in-depth conversational type talk radio, but also with that sort of skew of like deep personal issues and how to reckon with them. Um, so, you know, I would, I would, my show is called Amateur Hour and it was on uh, late night. So, you know, occasionally uh, a guest or I would delve into some, uh, you know, kind of controversial territory and there could be some swear words and stuff. So I thought it'd be better if I did it at night, um, just in case, you know, just in case, you know, protect innocent ears. But um, but yeah, it was great. Um, all my friends would come on the show and we're happy to do it. And I, I really think for anyone who has not done college radio, who's at a university, try your best to get in there. I mean, it's just an experience unlike any other. You're just in this isolated room and you got the microphone and the headset and it's just so 
beautiful, man. It's just mm. cool that you just have that platform and it's for free. <laughs> you just got to go to a college. Um, but yeah, I would have my friends on and I would ask them like sort of goofy uh, personal questions and, you know, try to get some good stories out of them. So, you know, how did you lose your virginity? Uh, you know, what are some, uh, you know, issues you've had with your parents and stuff like that? Just sort of just to try to like pry up some stuff. And people really liked it. The guests, I, you know, the friends, guests I brought on uh, really found it therapeutic and uh, enjoyable and um at one point my junior year um we actually did a roast um, <laughs> because when I bring my guests on, I would kind of give them a hard time, make fun of them, tell some of the stuff I knew about them already. And I'd also give them jokes to read. And uh, I would do jokes every week on the uh, radio show. And they were sort of like monologue jokes you'd see on The Tonight Show, kind of just like a news story and then a one-liner. And I would always save like the best jokes for me and then give them kind of the stinkers. <laughs> so like it was just like kind of messing with people. Um, but uh, so yeah, so my junior year um, as payback, I invited everyone who had ever been on the show to roast me hmm. um, and that was just a total blast it was mm-hmm. like uh, probably 25 30 people in the radio station and uh, they just took turns uh, taking shots at me and it was mm-hmm. great I, I'm someone who believes you really should laugh at yourself in this life and uh, I had a blast man I thought it was so funny and at the end you know of course I got to as roast traditions go the roasty gets to blast everyone so that was that was great as well i felt like a a sniper in those like old war movies just like picking <laughs> off friends <laughs> but um it, oh it was a blast man it was a blast i loved um my radio experience um the one regret i had is i wanted to i never got to do this but i wanted to uh set a record for the longest uh radio consecutive radio show ever sort of like an endurance record i wanted to like basically be here overnight and just like chug Red Bull and do like a 10 hour show. Uh-huh. And then like moving forward, Santa Clara students could try to break the record uh-huh. <laughs> or something like that. But I never got a chance to do it. But I don't know. I got a week and a half left. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. You still got a little bit of time. That's right. Any other highlights, either events or moments from your, your four years? My four years here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really all um, related to creative projects that I've been involved with. Um, you know, I'm someone who never really uh, had, for lack of a better term, a friend group. Um, I, I, I never really liked clubs. I never really liked organizations. Um, I feel a lot of time they sort of strip you of your individuality. So, you know, I, I, I never was, um, because of that, I was never interested in Greek life, sports, um, you know, even the newspaper at times. I'd be like, eh, I don't know. It's kind of clubby, kind of clicky. Um so, you know, my, my biggest goal at Santa Clara was just to figure out who I was as a person and figure out my identity and uh, whatever my shortcomings were, you know, to sort of deal with those. Um, but, you know, I think about my best experiences. It really was, um, you know, every experience was just me trying to figure out my identity. So you talk about like Shell Broncos and performing stand-up comedy at those. Um, you know, not only the latest movie, but the two other ones I made in college, uh, doing radio. And, you know, a lot of those... Um, I was never alone. I mean, I'm surrounded by people. Um, But yeah, I I think it was just um, any creative thing I did that was me trying to figure myself out, I think was the most rewarding. And, you know, looking back, I think I've changed a lot and I'm I'm definitely very, very happy and satisfied with the man I am today compared to um, where I was when I first came to college. Um, And I think, yeah, my creative projects sort of helped me get there. 
so yeah, that's that's kind of what sticks out for me. I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if if maybe like a first year student was listening, saying, "Man, I really want to find myself like in college," what would you recommend that they do to do that? That's or- good. That's a good question. Um, try a lot of different stuff. Get involved immediately. Um, I auditioned for a one act play my second day of college. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was walking on campus and I was walking past the theater and there was a sign on the door that said auditions, whatever, four to 6 PM cold reading. So you go in, you prepare nothing. You just start reading. And, uh, I went in and I, I have acting experience. You know, I did some in high school and, uh, I did really well, actually. They really liked me. And, um, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I kind of got into some trouble right off the bat. Um, <laughs> I did my cold reading. And uh, again, this sounds very conceited, but um, everyone in the audience was happy with my performance. It felt good. And uh, I remember um, one of the, you know, there's a professor and about five students in there. And the professor said, uh, that was really good. Are you a theater major? I said, no, I'm declared English. And he said, well, you should think about adding a theater major. Mm-hmm. And I told him, well, if I wanted to major in theater, I wouldn't have come to this school. <laughs> and, um, oh, wow. and, uh, oh. and not anything against the theater department. I've worked with them so much. Uh-huh. But at the time, I was uh, cocky and trying to be provocative and sort of make an impression. And uh, I remember the professor laughing, um, but none of the students, none of the theater majors <laughs> found it very funny, understandably. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's sort of an embarrassing uh, faux mm-hmm. pas on my part. But um you know, that's part of it, man. Part of it is just you try new things and you make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if you're committed to it and you like it, you push forward, you know. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing another play after that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've I've taken a bunch of theater classes and I really love a lot of the faculty and students mm-hmm. in that department. And I've grown really close with them. Um, but I just think that kind of illustrates how much I've changed. Um, I went mm-hmm. from sort of the sardonic a-hole um, to a sardonic a-hole that does theater now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think definitely try a lot of different stuff. Um, you don't want to, you know, freshman year, you just have so much time and, uh, it's really about time management. Um, and I always found I was lazier the more time I had. Like if you're sort of, if you have obligations stacked up one against another, you really can't afford to be lazy. You really have to just like be on top of it and be like, all right, cup of coffee. I got to go to this meeting. Then I have class. Then I have to go work out. Um, but if you have all this time, it's like, damn, all I got to do today is laundry. Um, <laughs> that's maybe all your, I don't even know if you'll do laundry that day. You know what I mean? So, um, I think, yeah, fill your schedule. Um, at least once a quarter, take a fun class. Um, so most students take four per quarter, you know, do, you know, one or two that are in your major, one that fulfills the requirement and then do a fun one. Um, and you're going to graduate on time, believe me. Um, so that's, that's really what I would say. Just get involved, um, with as many things as soon as possible. And for God's sakes, take a fun class. Uh, (laughs) At least once a quarter. Any favorite fun classes? Favorite fun classes? Um, Anything uh, with Brian Thorstenson. He is one of my favorite professors. Uh, he's actually in my movie, Ego Death. Um, but he teaches playwriting and acting for non-majors, and he's just a delight. I've never met someone as uh, kind and inspirational as Brian Thorstenson. I mean, he's just been so great. Um, he's great. His classes, they are work, but they're fun. They are super fun. Uh, Ron Hansen in the English department uh, teaches a lot of film classes. So his reading film and uh, I'm forgetting his other one is screenwriting class. That's a fabulous one. Um, Michael Malone has great seminars. He's a longtime journalism guy and a lot of his class 
uh, is just kind of him telling stories and uh, giving you very practical tips on how to make money as a writer. Um, but yeah, I was lucky, man. With my major, the English major, most classes were fun classes, um, and I, I really, really enjoyed them. Um, the one I would say that's kind of sciency that uh, I, I actually enjoyed was Phil Keston, who I think you've mm. interviewed. Yeah, um, yeah, who's a hilarious dude. Yeah, he's he was awesome. The first, he was first the first. Guest. That's right. Yeah, the inaugural uh, Voices of Santa Clara guest. He teaches a physics of Star Trek class. Mm-hmm. I think he still teaches it. Um, I took it my sophomore year and I love that. Um, that was really cool. And he's just such a brilliant, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd be remiss if you never took a class with Phil Keston. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely try and I, I would recommend to people, it, it helps to take a creative writing class mm-hmm. because most elementary schools and high schools don't teach creative writing outside of poems and like the occasional like personal essay mm-hmm. um so i think yeah definitely branch out write a play write a script um you know just just do kind of more creative stuff while you're here because this is for many people one of the last opportunities to really express yourself and be super creative um mm-hmm. in day-to-day life mm-hmm. yeah so you're you're coming to the end of your four-year <laughs> tenure at santa right. clara any ideas of what's next or where you'd like to end up? Yeah. So this summer, um, I'm returning to my hometown, Sacramento, and I'm teaching a creative writing class of the summer program. Um, so that's very exciting. I get to kind of create my own curriculum and it's sort of going to be what I just talked about is, uh, I want to teach, um, I'll be teaching fifth and sixth graders. I want to teach them sort of the creative writing they wouldn't learn, mm-hmm. uh, typically in school. Like I said, you know, most creative writing is mm-hmm. poems and essays at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of want to teach them how to do like short little scripts, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, maybe even teach them how to write jokes, teach mm-hmm. them basic, mm-hmm. like set up punchline tag, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of stuff like that. And the other thing I want to emphasize in the class is public speaking, um, mm-hmm. because I think, um, you know, there's sort of a stereotype about our generation and younger generation mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're so absorbed with technology, we're, we're uh, sort of lacking with our social skills. So, mm-hmm. you know, many of us struggle to make eye contact and hold a conversation mm-hmm. and sort of get lost in social media. Um, so I think I think that's an important thing is just teaching these kids. Um, you know, like you said, people are terrified of public speaking. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's just a really good lesson to learn, especially early on. Uh, But yeah, I'll be teaching the class. And then looking forward, uh, my goal is to move down to LA with my brother, um, who I uh, do all my films with. Uh, We we write them, direct them, and act in them together. Um, So the goal would be to uh, move down to LA and have a career in film and television. Actually, right now I'm um, pitching to a production company that works with Mm -hmm. Paramount. Um, and uh, we have kind of a TV series and a movie script we've written, so mm. we're kind of waiting to hear back on those. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, this is what I love to do, and I'm going to do it as long as I can. You know, mm-hmm. is any part of that scary, or is it like a lot of a lot a lot of students go to go to Santa Clara, major in engineering, just don't right. even need to think about right. having a job <laughs> for their whole life? But then yeah. you know, but theater, English, or a little. Sometimes, you know, they have the stereotype of being more difficult to like stay employed or if you want to continue to be creative, like does that, are you at all worried about that? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an element of risk, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, I I definitely don't, you know, other than this job uh, teaching for uh, a couple months, I I don't have anything else Mm -hmm. long term. Um, But I've always really enjoyed pressure and I've always enjoyed uh, writing my own rules and sort of dictating my own path. so I, I think that's why a career in film and television entertainment really uh, is attractive to me. It's because even people who work in the industry don't know how it works. Everyone's just sort of flying by the seat of their pants. And, you know, as we've seen uh, with the Me Too movement, that causes a lot of problems. But as we've seen with, you know, great 
movies and entertainment, it, it, it causes a lot of great things as well. So I think um, the element of, of um, sort of yeah, writing your own rules and kind of creating your own path is, is very intriguing to me. And just doing something that's creative and allows me to express myself. Um, I had a professor, uh, Dr. Stephen Carroll, who is, again, a fabulous professor. He will make you a great writer. He gave a speech um, last year. And uh, he was sort of talking to the outgoing seniors. And what he said to them was, uh, you have been successful your whole life. And I know that because you're sitting here right now. You're at Santa Clara University. This is a top university. The mere fact that you're here means you've been successful. And he says, just because you graduate and you have a diploma doesn't mean you're going to stop being successful. So that to me, you know, I've, I've always tried my best to create new stuff and, and be innovative and uh, have success with that. And uh, I'm sort of taking the bet on myself that uh, that's going to continue yeah. um, despite being outside of a school setting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'd love to wrap up with a couple shorter questions. Oh, great. So, Let's do it. Yeah. So first, first <laughs> of all, we've talked a lot about, about movies, TV, that yeah. kind of stuff. Do you have any favorite movies, TV shows, yeah. podcasts, radio hosts? Yeah. I love that. Um, Favorite movies? I can give you three. They're tied for first place. Um, Goodfellas, uh, Big Lebowski, and Pulp Fiction. Those are my three favorite movies. Um, check them out if you haven't seen any of them, um, particularly Goodfellas. Um, that, to me, may be the most like deliriously entertaining movie ever made. As far as stand-up goes... Um, and sort of people I've drawn inspiration from, um, you know, it's tough to say him given, you know, recent allegations and stuff, but Louis CK, um, was huge for me. Um, Dave Attell, big comedian, um, love his style. Norm Macdonald. Um, I grew up too with old school comedians. I mean, I, I was into Steve Martin. Steve Martin was one of the first comics I ever heard. I was probably five years old and, uh, let's get small is maybe the best comedy album ever made. Um, uh, Richard Pryor, of course, is the King best comedian to ever live. Uh, love, uh, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. I mean, especially, um, you know, their stuff in the nineties and early two thousands, but both of them have sort of made this comeback in recent years. Um, and, and they're just as good as ever and sort of a little wiser, a little more controversial, which I love. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really just a student of movies and comedy. So, uh, you know, I, I can kind of talk about, uh, <laughs> you know, that with anyone. Um, but, uh, and then, yeah, radio, I mentioned Howard Stern and, uh, Mark Maron's WTF podcast. Mm -hmm. Those are definitely some guys I really look up to as well. Yeah. Any favorite locations you've traveled to? Favorite locations. Um, before I came to Santa Clara, my dad and I went to uh, Europe mm -hmm. and we went to five countries, uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland, France, Italy, and Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, Italy was probably my favorite. I'm uh, part Italian and really enjoyed it. And uh, <laughs> one trip that really sticks out to me as well uh, is uh, my family goes a lot to Portland, Oregon. We love it up there. Really good food. Um, really kind of cool sites. Uh, Powell's Bookstore, if you're a book nerd, it's like a three or four story tall bookstore. It's like sort of the Disneyland for nerds. <laughs> but that's awesome. But yeah, I, I remember a trip when I was 15 and a half. I had my learner's permit. And uh, 
my mom and I, I think on like Memorial Day weekend or some three-day weekend, drove to Portland from Sacramento. It's like a nine-hour drive. And a lot of it was uh, just my mom <laughs> wanting me to prove I was a good driver. <laughs> so she just made me drive all the time. And the other great thing is while we were there, you know, we'd go out to dinner and nice dinners and she'd have a few glasses of wine and she had a chauffeur who was, you know, more than happy to drive her home. Um, but uh, that was a really great trip. We just ate a lot of good food and, um, you know, teenage boys uh, typically are kind of uh, rude to their mom. You know, they, they sort of go through that like phase where there's like, oh, mom, leave me alone. And, you know, I didn't really want to fall into that. So it was it was a nice sort of bonding uh, moment. But yeah, I loved loved Italy. Portland's a great city. Been to New York a lot. New York's fantastic. Even upstate. I've been to Lake George and the Adirondacks. That's that's beautiful country up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, San Francisco. I mean, the city's always great, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. uh, a lot of places. If you could send a message to every person in the United States, what would you want to say? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a lot of power. Um, don't think, don't take things too seriously. And you got to laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really it. I think, you know, a lot of times, especially now in our country, our collective knee jerk reaction is to be sensitive and to be offended. And um, typically in life, when there's a situation that strikes you or bugs you or whatever, um, your initial reaction is wrong. <laughs> so if there's something that upsets you and that's your knee jerk reaction, you need to really stop and think, is this something worth being upset about? Um, is, you know, what this comedian said actually offensive or is he trying to make a joke? Um, is what this politician is suggesting harmless or is it the end of our country as we know it? Um, and I think it, it really just takes thoughtfulness and people learning to think before they act. I think that's really what it is. Finally, what does an ideal Saturday look like for you? Ideal Saturday. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely go out, going out to breakfast. I love going out to breakfast. Um, so go, go to a nice sit-down spot, take my time, have some coffee. Uh, you know, hash browns, etc. Um, and uh, maybe go see a movie like a matinee. I like going to movie theaters. I love always that experience. Um, hang out with some friends. Uh, let's see. And then, yeah, you know, I love cooking. So at night, maybe cook a nice dinner, have some friends over, you know, tell stories, uh, have a few drinks, you know. Um, but yeah, just just uh, doing fun, entertaining, creative stuff with with people you love. That's what's better than that, you know. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining. Cool, man. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you. I love this. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. You can subscribe to Voices of Santa Clara on the iTunes podcast app. You can visit VoicesOfSantaClara.com for interview transcripts, and you can like the Facebook page. Special thanks to Miles Elliott for the music. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day.